the Redskins, and the Bullets, with guys hanging outside the liquor stores. Could even shoot the shit with the young ones he knew were headed for the hard side. His enthusiasm and natural fit for the job would probably get him further in the MPD than Ramon. That is, if that little man with the pitchfork sitting on his shoulder didn't ruin him first. Ramon and Holiday had gone through the academy together, but they weren't friends. They weren't even partners. They were sharing a car because there had been a shortage of cruisers in the lot behind the 6D station. Six hours into a four to midnight, and Ramon was already tired of Holiday's voice. I'll tell you about this girl I've been seeing, said Holiday. Yeah, said Ramon. She's a red skinette, one of those cheerleaders they got at RFK. I know what they are. I'll tell you about her? I think you did. You ought to see her ass, Giuseppe. Ramon's mother was the only one who ever called him by his given name. That is, until Holiday had seen Ramon's driver's license. Holiday also called him the Ramon, after having had a look at Ramon's record collection on the single occasion Ramon had let him into his apartment. Nice ones, too, said Holiday. She's got those big pink, uh, what do you call them? Orioles. Holiday turned, his face catching the strobe with the cruiser light bar still activated at the scene. The ID bar in his chest read D. Holiday, so naturally he had caught the nickname Doc within the department. Coincidentally, he was as angular and bone-skinny as the tubercular gunman. Listen to this, said Holiday. Last week I'm out with her in a bar, the constable down on 8th. I know the place. Ramon had gone to the constable many times pre-cop in that year when he thought of himself as in between. This was after his fourth and last semester at Maryland University when he'd taken that criminology class and thought, I don't need any more of this desk and blackboard bullshit. I can do this thing right now. But then just wandering for a while before he signed up, hitting the bar, smoking weed, doing a little blow, and chasing girls. It had felt to him like he was stumbling. Tonight, wearing the blue, the badge and gun, standing next to a guy he would have ridiculed a few years back, now his contemporary, it felt like he had been free. And she drops a bomb on me, says Holiday. Tells me she likes me, but she's dating one of those redskins, too. Joe Jacoby, said Ramon. Nah, not that beast. So who? A receiver. And not Donnie Warren, if you catch my drift. You're saying she's dating a black receiver. One of them, said Holiday. And you know they like white girls. Who doesn't, said Ramon. I had a problem with it, I gotta be honest. Because he's black. I can't lie. It was hard for me to forget him and her after that. You felt, what, inadequate or something? Come on. Pro football player, a brother? Holiday held his palm out a foot from his groin. Guy's got to be like this. It's an NFL requirement, said Ramon. Huh? They check their teeth, too. I'm saying I'm just an average guy. Down there, I mean. Don't get me wrong, it's Cabasa Street when the blood gets to it. What's your point? Knowing this girl was hanging off the end of this guy's dick? It just ruined her for me, I guess. So you what, let her go? Not with that ass of hers, I wasn't going to let her go. No, sir. A woman had wandered under the tape while they were talking. As she approached the body and got a look at it, she vomited into the grass. Sergeant Cook removed his hat, ran a finger along the brim, and breathed deeply. He replaced the Stetson, adjusted it, and allowed his eyes to search the perimeter of the scene. He turned to the man beside him, a white detective named Chip Rogers, and pointed to Ramon and Holiday. Tell those white boys to do their job, said Cook. People regurgitating, fucking up my crime scene. If they can't keep these folks back, find some men who will. 
I'm not playing. Ramon and Holiday immediately went to the yellow tape and turned their backs to it. Holiday spread his feet and looped his fingers through his utility belt, unfazed by Cook's words. But Ramon's jaw tightened in anger at being called a white boy. He'd heard it occasionally growing up outside D.C., and many times while playing baseball and basketball in the city proper. He didn't like it. How about you, said Holiday. How about me what, said Ramon. You been getting any hay for your donkey? Ramon did not answer. He had his eye on one woman in particular, a cop, God help him. But he had learned not to let Holiday into his personal world. Come on, brother, said Holiday. I showed you mine, now you show me yours. You got someone in your gun sights? Your baby sister, said Ramon. Holiday's mouth fell open and his eyes flared. My sister died of leukemia when she was 11 years old, you piece of shit. Ramon looked away. For a while, there was only the squawk and hiss of the police radios. Then Holiday cackled and slapped Ramon on the back. I'm kidding you, Giuseppe. Oh, Christ, but I had your ass. The description of the victim had been matched to a list of missing teenagers in the area. A man was brought to the scene to identify her. As he looked at the body, a father's anguished howl filled the night. The victim's name was Eve Drake. In the past year, two other black teenagers had been murdered and dumped in similar fashion in community gardens. Shot in the head, both had traces of semen in their rectums. Their names were Otto Williams and Ava Simmons. Like Otto and Ava, Eve was spelled the same way backward as it was forward. The press had dubbed the events the palindrome murders. Within the department, some police had begun to refer to the perpetrator as the night gardener. Across town, at the same time the father cried out over his daughter's body, young Washingtonians were in their...